um, to, to, to meet you and, the, and this, this big, big marketing brain, I thought I'd, I'd limber up. But anyway, <laughs> so, so, but one of Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, editor and advisor at Rockstar CMO, your source for marketing street knowledge. And you can find us at rockstarcmo.com and Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter. And this weekly podcast serves as my excuse to chat with my friends, marketers, writers and CMOs I've met through my career, leading marketing teams and consulting for B2B brands. This episode was recorded on Friday the 29th of January. I hope you've had a good week and that you are well, safe and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. Plenty on the show this week. Hope you're liking this longer format. I'm again joined by Rockstar CMO advisor Jeff Clark. And we've sort of ruined our one-hit wonder or wonderful section by taking on personalization. I chat with another Jeff, my chum Jeff Swan, to talk sales and business development. And again, I kick off my weekend with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. And I have some big news on the gin. Right, let's get started, shall we? On to our first segment. We marketers love to be down with the cool kids. Dance to the latest sound, but will that tune stand the test of time? Each week, my chum, Jeff Clark, Rockstar CMO advisor and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director, joins me in deciding if that marketing tune, topic, technique or trend that everyone is talking about is a one-hit wonder or wonder walk. Let's find out what's hot or not this week. Welcome, Jeff, back to uh, One Hit Wonder and Wonderwall. How are you? Thank you for having me back. You're very must welcome. More than, this must be more than a one hit. Well, um, we're, we're, keeping, <laughs> we're keeping flogging it. I mean, everybody else can judge whether this is a hit or not. But <laughs> I'm getting some nice feedback, actually. So, uh, so I think we're on to something. Whether we describe it as a hit, I'm not sure. But certainly, the topics have been great. So, so far, what have we covered so far? We've covered agile marketing. Marketing. Cover digital marketing. Yeah. We, and, um, and on we that theme, lots of marketing. <laughs> yeah, and on that theme, um, Jeff, I think you've you suggested quite a doozy this uh, this week. Personalization. That's quite a big topic. Yes, this might be a stream. Yes, a series. This might this might take more than we can do. In a- yeah, I anticipate we'll be covering this over the next few weeks. So we may not decide whether this is a one-hit wonder or wonderful by the end of it, but I'm sure there'll be some musical reference by the end of the thing. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think this is, uh, you know, it's like we always try, at least I think ahead of time about, well, is there a particular hit or something I want to <laughs> yeah. bring up or whatever? And I, and I was thinking this is more like, this is more like a, you know, a Johnny B. Good or a, or a, or, you know, Bob Marley starting reggae where it's, it's yeah. like, no matter how popular the original may be, it gets lots of artists and lots of listeners and people thinking about, well, how can we expand on this and how can we do more and more? And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Bob Marley does reggae and then a decade later, the police are taking, mm. kind of fusing it with kind of higher energy rock. And then later other people are doing other variations thereof. And it's just, Yes. I think that's where personalization fits in. It's a bit like when we were discussing discussing digital marketing, uh, in that it's it was it's more than a one hit wonder or wonderful. It's a it's a, a defining moment in our industry, really. I suppose it's the same sort of thing as that, isn't it? When yeah, personalization yeah. came along. Yeah, I mean, so, I think I, I think it kind of started when uh, we were able to do mail merges, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for a, for a direct mail letter or for an email, where it's like I got a letter, I got a first name in a database, I got a company name, so I can see dear Ian. <laughs> at Rockstar CMO, would you buy this? Blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, and you know, that's that was the beginning. <laughs> and on LinkedIn, they still can't get that right, and you still yeah, get your yeah. first name. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So that's that. That's so. Maybe that's where we should start. Is really sort of defining what we mean by personalization, because uh, you know it's such a massive topic, and I think we should take our time with this and do this over a few weeks. 
Where do we start with personalization, Jeff? Well, I think that one of the things I always think about is that in, I've been in so many discussions, whether we're talking about our websites or, uh, you know, how we're doing marketing and people bring up like Amazon or, you know, any other retailer that has just done a really good job of, of you know, what I guess would be close to perfection of personalization. But in B2C, it's just so much easier because you're talking about an individual with yeah. a with some sort of digital history. Maybe they have a buying history. Um, and they're much easier to, to say, you know, I can now recommend other products or people who did things like you mm-hmm. will interested in things like this. And so as we experience that and we say as, as B2B marketers, well, how do we do that? And, and of course, the, the issue becomes in B2B marketing, it's a much more complex buying process, you know, multiple individuals, longer uh, sales cycles. You know, somebody who's a CIO might be in a certain buying role for some products, but in a much different buying role for other products. So just because mm-hmm. I know the CIO and I have all this history, on, does, does that mean that when he comes to me and looking at HR solutions, I know what, what I should be delivering to him, what kind of mm-hmm. content? So it's, it's just a really... It's, I mean, it's really complex in the B2B world. And, um, and so I think what, you know, the various experiences that I think we've had and, mm-hmm. you know, both together and outside uh, in other companies has been that, is that it, we start to do better targeting. So there's, there's targeting versus personalization. So it's like right. I can target based on your geo because I know we only sell certain products or have certain services in a particular geography, or I can target based on, you know, maybe if you told me what industry you're in, now I can start doing some targeting that way and delivering content or sending you to a page, web page that has relevant content. But but you know, you know, we all, I've, I know I've often talked about well, can we target on buying stage? You know, early stage versus late stage, yeah. and, and and theoretically, it's all very easy to figure out. Yeah, what do I give people early in a buying process versus late in the process? But mm-hmm. you know, again, how do I how do I how can I put all the pieces together to understand where an individual is in a buying process? It's it's just it's a it's a difficult back end data issue even though we might theoretically be able to construct something to actually yeah. make it work is, yeah. uh, is very difficult. There's so much in that there, Jeff. The first thing I would say though, to take it right back and apologies for my slight breathlessness, I decided to, to prepare for the talk about personalization. I'd go for a run, which was a bad idea. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, to, to, to meet you and, the, and this, this big, big marketing brain, I thought I'd, I'd limber up. But anyway, so, so, but one of the things, uh, when I think about personalization sometimes, and, I'm, you know, and you, you're looking at organizations that are doing this, and there's a bunch of marketers in, with their whiteboards in a, in a closed-off hotel room somewhere back when we used to be able to get together. I often wonder whether they actually know who their core audience is, whether they could even pers- and whether they're even thinking about one sector of their audience when they're creating that sort of baseline messaging and copy, right? Because so, yeah. ma- so much of those conversations are aspirational. We sell to the CMO, so therefore they start pitching at that level just with their baseline content let alone get into any kind of personalization. And I think there's a, isn't, isn't there a role where <clears throat> you need to provide like a, like a buffet of stuff and, and allow people to self-select and you need to pitch that buffet right first before you think about personalization. Correct. And that gets into the, the um, kind of the business uh, readiness to be able to do personalization because, you know, do I have the content yeah. that I can, or and then the subject matter experts that I can create, meaningful content that serves, you know, that, that CMO, uh, whatever the CIO, whoever their people, the staff under that you're trying to attract. And, 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 you know, can I, if I have an understanding of buying stages, um, you know, do I, can I actually create things that are meaningful at the early stages, as well as create the things that are, that are meaningful at the later Mm -hmm. stages. And that's, Mm -hmm. so, um, uh, so I think that that's, that becomes a challenge in and of itself is from a, certainly from a content creation perspective. And then there's the orchestration of when do I know, how do I deliver it? You know, how do I deliver it? Is it a matter of self-selecting without making it too difficult for somebody mm-hmm. to navigate how you've, you've, you've set that up. And so it, um, yeah, it's, it's a big, I, I, I guess I, one of the things I just remember that um, back, uh, you know, in our, one of our earlier careers, we were working together mm-hmm. and we had a web content management system that, that could do 
personal. I mean, it, it had the, the functional capabilities to do personalization and we were trying to use it ourselves um, for our own website. And, and, and we were struggling with both the getting the content created by the people who could be the subject matters to cre- create that and, 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 technically how to execute on that. And we would go to the professional services teams and say, can you, can you connect us to one of our clients who says they do personalization using Mm -hmm. our stuff Mm -hmm. and it'd say, well, I could connect you to them, but you know, their data is a mess. Their organization's a mess. (laughs) I mean, and so that's my point really. And, um, and we've got, we've got straight to probably one of my hobby horses on this uh, fairly quickly. I thought we might be doing this in week three, but um, <laughs> it's, it's that whole thing, really. And I want to know whether the world has moved on or not, because I've been in the content management industry, as you know, for an awful long time. And there's the popular um, perception that personalization is always phase two, right? Is that is that it's a struggle enough, and, and I'm going through a web project at the moment, it's a struggle enough to get your baseline web project off the ground and phase one done. And then you, it's hard to then maintain that momentum to then do actually what's probably a harder project, which is then to do the personalization phase, and it, right. it never really happens. Um, right. Is that is that still the experience that you see with 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 clients? Yes, yeah, I yeah. I, I, I do, and 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 it's um you know again it 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 I mean it goes back to some things we touched upon about under, understanding the true dynamics of the buying situation with the, the customers that you're focused on, and then having the the arsenal of, um, of content and getting mm-hmm. people. Cause I, and also I think a lot of, um, you know, the, uh, the marketers just struggle with the complexity that, that is involved with this. Um, so absolutely. And I think that it, you're very right to say, well, that's the desired phase two, mm-hmm. but it's the phase two that, that, you know, you hardly ever get to, yeah. or you, you just, you, again, I was, as I said, you just kind of, you just get better and better at targeting, but you never really get to, um, personalization uh, but well, i think are you is- saying like um so when you're talking about targeting are you really talking about that that outbound communication that we can we can refine and get right it's just that when it's inbound and people are landing on our websites and stuff like that that's where it's harder for us to actually repeat that experience for, for the site visitor well i guess i guess you know in terms of you can from a targeting perspective it's easy to do you know geography it's easy to, to do you know industry or things that as you yeah. get a little more information but then you get to a point of diminishing returns where it's like yeah. i really can't i can't anticipate by the the digital history you've got i can't anticipate much more about this yeah. individual now with with um you know with intent monitoring yeah. um there you know there certainly are the, the ability to understand that somebody has been in a kind of a research mode mm-hmm. earlier. So now I'm infusing mm-hmm. data, but, but again, that th- this gets into another, I think another topic that we want to hold for the future, which is mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, because, yes. because it, it, you need to supplement your content management and your, your, um, you know, the, the content, your creation with some sort of AI engine, mm-hmm. which can do the matching that, uh, that people just aren't able to do. Um, yeah, it's still extremely complex in a B two B world, but it it, yeah. it gets us down that road. Yeah, I do want to part that for a future conversation, but I think that's interesting because um, um, there is that argument, isn't there, about whether something's artificial intelligence or whether it's just a rules engine as well. So I think we can pick on that a little bit, um, a bit a bit going forward. But so, um, do you think that? Do you think that there's also an issue about consistency of intimacy between those two experiences? So if we're doing outbound targeting and we're getting that right, and we're perhaps, and particularly with tools like LinkedIn campaign and stuff like that, we can we can be, we can get highly. Well, targeted. there's two problems. To this we get get highly targeted with whatever it is that we're pushing. Yeah, but then the experience of them them coming back into us, and we've forgotten who they are. Is that do you see that sort of disconnect in in sort of customer experiences and your clients, or do you think that we just don't expect that? You know, you know so much about me, but when I come on your website, you're com- I'm, I'm completely anonymous to you. Is that something do you think people expect in B two B? You and you mean from the the audience perspective? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that in general, um, customers. Of, an, of, a, of any uh, of any vendor, you know, want to be 
treated respectfully as a customer. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they necessarily, until you get into a service situation, which, yeah. which then gets into, you know, now we're getting out of marketing the service, we need to get in a service situation. They don't really want to be too pigeonholed mm. because they want to be in control of their yeah. buying process. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's a little bit like, you know, you go into the, the car salesman and he's, you know, he's going to go off and talk to the, uh, his manager because he's like telling you, I'm going to get you <laughs> in this car. And, and that's where, at least for me, it's like, okay, immediately back off. And it's like, yeah. oh, nope, nope, nope. I'm <laughs> not buying today. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I do. Or when the when the little chat guy comes up and you're like, I'm just on the website to find out something, and you're yeah, you're trying to to get me in a chat to buy something. Yeah. So I do think that that there's a um, you you do put the buyer or the the audience who are you know of the of the web or whatever is you put them in an uncomfortable situation. So, um, I think that's that's an excellent analogy. That especially that chatbot thing, because you're absolutely right. When you're just at that high level, just surfing around trying to decide whether, you know, whether you understand the problem you're trying to solve, what who it is that's out there that can solve it, or you've kind of you're kind of doing a bit of loose research, and then you get the chatbot. Now everybody's saying, well, this is conversational marketing, and it's really cool, and it converts, and it does really well. But it's another thing you need to shut down and close down, as long as the cookie policy, the newsletter pop yeah. up, and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of grates away at the customer experience slightly. But on the other hand, uh, recently I I, mean, I was um, I was dealing with my um, mobile phone company, and the um, and the chatbot came up. And I immediately jumped on it because I immediately wanted my problem solved. And as soon as I told them something about me, I expected them to to know, you know, my account history and, you know, what products I have and all that kind of stuff. Whereas if I was just browsing around to find out the price of a new phone, I probably wouldn't be interacting with that chatbot unless I actually needed to get something done. Yeah. Actually, I have a similar experience I had yesterday because I am... I had something I had to do with, uh, you know, a financial services firm where, you know, I got, got, you know, uh, my retirement account and I was calling back on an issue I had before. And, you know, I enter in my uh, last digits of my social security number. I entered my zip code. I entered in something else. I can't remember what, what that was. And, um, and they say, oh, we understand you've had an interaction with us recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, talked into the phone and said what I wanted to do. They patched me through to the exact person who I talked to before, wow. which I, which I just, I was like, I could talk to anybody cause I have a simple question, Yeah, yeah. but they gave me to talk the, the person I talked to before. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, but again, that's now we're moving into a services situation where, yeah. where you're, yeah. that's where you're expecting them to have a yeah. lot of information of you as opposed to if yeah. I was browsing around on their website and I was trying to find out if I, you know, if they didn't know who I was, yeah. I want to find out something about X. Yeah. And, and um, so, yeah. So I think so you have to make to- the self-selection. So the first step, I think, and I'm going to conclude on this because, um, like we said, we are going to talk about this for a few weeks, I think. So I'm going to have to think about a piece of music at the end of this weather. <laughs> I, <think, laughs> I like your inspiration a bit of Bob Marley. I think that could chill us all out a bit on this topic. But so, <laughs> so really we're saying the the – we need to enable people to self-select. So we need to get that first personalization right in that we make sure that our content is relevant to the broader audience and that people can find themselves. And then we need to separate out the, 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 the different sales journeys and including service as part of that journey, the entire buyer's journey, right? Yeah. Um, as, as to when it is that we lean in and get more intimate. And then we have to think about how we match up how good we are getting at targeting with how bad we are at personalization. And I think there's also something in here that maybe we'll discuss next week about content. Like we, we're putting all this investment into understanding our audience, but not so much into understanding our content. So maybe, maybe we'll touch a, on that next week. That would be a great all right on topic well i'll make a note of that jeff and um providing you have some time i'd love to pick this up with you next week absolutely all right so uh, i'll see you next week and i'll leave the selection of music to you (laughs) thank you i think (laughs) i'm I'm gonna try and think so i I think some bob marley maybe this week i think i think but then again one of these days i'm gonna get sued by warner music or something like that so maybe Find out and find an artist that's least litigious. But anyway, that's been great. Thank you very much, Jeff, and I'll see you next week. Thank you. Anyway, take care.
So personalization, not a one-hit wonder or wonder wall, but a defining moment in the music of marketing. And to accompany it, a bit of Bob Marley and Is This Love, which seemed appropriate for the topic. And Jeff and I will return to personalization next week. On to this week's guest, Jeff Swan is a 15-year sales and marketing veteran who loves to geek out on all things email, cold calling, sequences and tech. As you'll hear, he's passionate about turning SDRs and sales reps into prospecting machines with data, messaging, tools and support. And when I commented on how his bio was so short compared to the others I've shared, I love his reply to my email. He said, marketing is thoughtful brevity. Love that. And I hope you enjoy this brief conversation. Welcome, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm fantastic, Ian. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. And and Jeff, just for the listeners that uh, don't know what you do, and obviously I've introduced you before this segment started, uh, tell us a bit about your role and, and what you do at, at RevUp90. Yeah, thanks, Ian. So um, again, thanks for having me, actually. It's really nice to be here and, and be part of the show. Um, so for your listeners, um, essentially what I do is I help um, B2B sales teams or B2B revenue teams really boost their response from outbound sales. Mm-hmm. So the way we do that is through what we call Outbound SOS, which is a program of continuous optimization to get just that extra bit, extra percentage, extra one extra meeting a week, one extra meeting a, a day, um, one extra call. And we're just trying yeah. to optimize and squeeze it to get the most out of it and book more meetings from outbound sales. That sounds good. Sounds good. Um, but uh, the reason why I, well, not the reason why I invited you, but I think one of the things I think we've got in common is, is you spent a lot of your career in marketing. Uh, what, and I ask a lot of our marketers, what attracted you to marketing? Because I think a lot of people have got an interesting story that sometimes they fell into it by accident. How did you get into marketing? I was born to be a marketer, to be perfectly honest. Um, like, so put it this way. When I was a kid, um, I'd always be sketching and drawing, and I just had this knack mm-hmm. for drawing. So mm-hmm. I chose my high school. I chose a vocational school that's like a trade-type school mm-hmm. because it had a really good art program. Right. So I went into art, and after one semester of my two-semester stint in my first year, I went, art's not for me. I don't, I'm not a fan of like constantly doing, you know, all these different things, sculpting, painting, all these different things. I just couldn't do it. So then I found, then I discovered graphic design and advertising art. Yeah. And advertising art was my jam. I love creating layouts. I love the concept of kind of pitching things in a way that I've never thought about before. And it was like a whole new world for me. And then, um, I, I had attempted to do graphic design at first. And I realized I'm a real, I'm a really like a thinker. I'm not, I'm not as much of that person, the same reason I left art. And then boom, I, I discovered the um, uh, marketing program at the university of Manitoba in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I literally, it was the only person in the entire school who mm-hmm. took every single marketing course available. Wow. My personal, my personal electives, yeah. I took marketing courses. Yeah. Wow. So in, instead of taking like a phys ed class or or like a you know um, film studies or something, I took yeah. more marketing courses. Wow, and that's, that's yeah. incredible! And I should have mentioned actually, you're talking to us from Canada, right? Where are you based? Yeah, I'm I'm actually based out of the West Coast in uh, wine country, the Okanagan Lovely. Valley. Nice, yeah. very nice. And so you're a marketer through and through from 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 quite an age there. Then I love it. DNA. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, do you still draw? Do you still do any of that art stuff on the side, or is it your, your pure marketing? You know what? Um, so I, I still love to create, but mm-hmm. what I do now is I create businesses, I create campaigns, I create sequences for people that are just yeah. that allow them to connect with buyers when they never they could never can before. Yeah, well, that gets us on to the next question, really, which is you talk about sequencing and you describe yourself as a sales sequencing doctor, which I quite like. Um, so, um, for I mean, this is a marketing show rather than a sales show. So, explain what a sequence is. What what, what does that mean to do sales sequencing? Yeah, thank you. So um, funny enough, I've actually just legitimately t- uh, changed my tagline today from sales sequence doctor to sales sequence optimizer uh. because I've, doing a, I've been doing a lot of thinking and thinking in the to borrow the terms from SEO, search engine optimization. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm thinking for sales sequences. So yeah. what is a sales sequence? Mm-hmm. It's essentially a um, standardized set of email, phone, social, video touches that a salesperson can do in a consistent way. Mm-hmm. to uh, book meetings with, to get the attention of their prospects and book more meetings. 
Uh, and um, I guess that's really important at the moment. I mean, I didn't believe that I'm one of my, in, this is episode 47. And I think from the beginning, I've been talking about COVID um, because we started this, you know, uh, 47 weeks ago. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, a thing that's serious, you know, that's changed the way that we sell and the way that we, that we live really. Um, but so virtual selling has become more essential. And I guess this plays a huge role in that. Is that what you've seen with your clients? Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm dealing with um, pharmaceutical companies who used to spend their entire day traveling to different doctor's offices yeah, and, yeah. and you know, like dropping off cards, having physical in-person meetings and all those things. And now they've had to make the switch to remote selling. Right. And so, um, and, and, you know, other types of companies as well, you know, SaaS companies that yeah. would normally do site visits to manufacturing companies and that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And now they're um, trying to kind of recreate Mm-hmm. how they do sales instead mm-hmm. of counting on that. So I'll give you a little story. Um, one of my customers, um, he sells to um, basically firemen and, and governments and utilities. Yeah. Okay. And what used to happen is that he would do a, a, a you know, a cold calling um, uh, session. Mm-hmm. He would book several meetings. And then of those meetings, um, the fire hall, fire chief, or anybody that he's talking to, he they would actually get a whole bunch of other people involved to meet him when he goes to right. um, his in-person meeting, right? Right. So he would have these big meetings um, with all of the right people in the room, everybody that's important, and he'd have, you know, maybe go for lunch with them after, have mm-hmm. just like side ah, chats. Ah, lunch with a client, do you remember? Right, right. <laughs> um, those things that we used to do, right? Yeah. Um, all those soft skills, uh, soft things that you don't really do when you're on Zoom, right? Yeah. But um, so what we've done is we've actually recreated his outbound sales process to be mm-hmm. around this virtual touch and to incorporate different things to kind of bring that human um, right. touch to it. You know, use video, use images, use um, use messaging, like creative messaging to mm-hmm. inspire somebody to want to learn more and to engage mm-hmm. with the, you know, the videos feeds that he has and, and different yeah. things that are really cool that he never really thought about before. Yeah, no, I think, and I think what's really interesting talking to you, and um, you know, I've had the pleasure of doing that a few times, is that um, you have a huge range of clients, don't you? And you, and when people talk about virtual selling, we tend to think of, and in B two B, we're thinking about larger organisations and the resources larger organisations have, um, but it's everybody, isn't it? That's it's affecting everybody. Literally everyone. Like um, yeah. one of the businesses I invested in, I, I just kind of closed it up last uh, last month. It was in the flood mitigation space. Mm-hmm. And what we used to do, we used to have to go to job sites. So yep. we'd go to a job site on you know the East Coast US and yeah. we'd actually measure things out and we'd mm-hmm. you know look at the the grades and everything and we'd have to do it physically there. Mm-hmm. Now, um, like through COVID and everything, we've had to do it through just, you know, send us the drawings, send us pictures and, and yeah. different things so that we can do it remotely. And we were actually finding we were able to do it way more efficiently yeah. without having to spend thousands of dollars and weeks at a time traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening to, there's a famous content marketing case study of, and I should remember this because it should be ingrained in my soul, of the guy that sells swimming pools. I mean, he's, he's you know, he he basically created a content marketing strategy around telling people about the way they manufacture swimming pools and everything. And then he has, you know, he's like the number one seller of swimming pools now and manufacturer of swimming pools. And I think, and he was talking about the same thing, I think, um, uh, about how it's changed the way that now he can do four or five site visits a week because he just instructs the client on what they need to show, you know, what they need to see and all that. So um, it's made sales more efficient, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And, and there's, there's really, it's really difficult to create, like to recreate that personal touch, like what you're talking about going for lunches with clients and things like that. But to your point with the swimming pools uh, guy, um, when I would be working with homeowners who Mm -hmm. didn't exactly have the drawings and all the different things that you need for your home, um, I would give, I I had to create like a step-by-step instructions. And Mm -hmm. I created an online form on on, on my website where somebody could go through, put in the dimensions of their home and all of the different things they need to do. And then they send me everything I need. Yeah. You know? So yeah, and yeah. instead of me doing it physically, yeah, yeah. a homeowner can go and yeah. do all this for like an eight hundred dollars sale. Yeah, yeah. You know, like or two hundred dollars sale. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. What is um? And do you think that um we're ever going to go back? Do you think this is we we've discovered? And I also think that 
um, some of this virtual selling was actually pulled from the customers, right? A lot of people yeah. want to work that way. And a lot of people, and, and also in B2B, there's a lot of evidence that people are engaging with us virtually through our websites and all that kind of stuff and our, our content marketing, like yeah. way, way deep into the um, into the sales process. Do they actually start calling us or the buying process they start calling us? So do you think we're going to go back or do you think this is the way business will be done predominantly now? Yeah, so I've got two things to say about that. So one, um, I think that what I'm learning is that people kind of are starting to and more people need to get honest with themselves about why they do business in person. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people hold on to we have to do business in person because that's mm-hmm. how we get sales, right? Mm-hmm. But we've proven time and time again that you can get way more sales selling yeah. remote than you can doing in person, right? Yeah, it's more yeah. efficient. It's more effective, right? Um, But people like that social touch. And I don't think you'll ever get rid of that social touch. And I think we need to stop like operationalizing out human Mm -hmm. from our processes, Mm -hmm. right? And just be honest. Like if I need to spend nine hours of my day communicating with human beings Mm -hmm. and I enjoy going to job sites because I like that personal touch, be honest. It's not more effective. It's just fun it's more fun yeah yeah but do you think um just but the the, i like that i really like that argument about why we're going to go back um but do you wonder whether the 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 cfo has now figured out we can do the same amount of business for cheaper and maybe we won't get the affordance to go and 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 jump on a plane and go visit people so that's my second point is uh-huh. that um, <laughs> so is that now people know that this stuff can be done remotely mm-hmm. okay yeah and so what now would i see organizations starting to do like one client had um literally a $30,000 a month travel budget yeah. and now they're saving that $30,000 a month and putting it towards optimizing their sales process mm-hmm. and technology and stuff to use yeah. the new virtual selling right yeah so um what uh, what I'm seeing is that I have a feeling it's going to come back in a kind of hybrid approach. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen is, is that CFOs are going to start to put pressure on people to say, how can we recreate a lot of this virtual mm. or a lot of this in-person feeling and, and effectiveness mm. virtually? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm going to tell you, and uh, so on that, I'm going to tell you one way that we do create, um, recreate this virtual mm-hmm. right now yeah. for a club I'm part of. So I'm part of a club called Rev League where we, um, effectively all meet together. So it's a community of peers. We all meet mm-hmm. together twice a week to do cold calling blitzes. Mm-hmm. And we have a Slack community where we kind of talk to each other um, and and give each other guidance and help each other out, that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, and so, and we actually celebrate our wins. Every time one of us books a meeting, we pop a GIF up on the on the Slack and we talk about it and we say, hey, like, you nice. know, Tracy, uh, you, you just won something. You, won, yeah. you got a meeting. We high five yeah. each other. So yeah. even though we don't work together we've yeah. never met in person yeah we're not physically side by side yeah we're still doing the same thing all together as a yeah team. i like that i like that so you've got this sort of boiler room going on but on slack <laughs> i love it i love it yep. and um one of the things i mean i'm a content guy right so and and one of the things we've talked about in the past is how and, and this is actually how marketing can help in this process as well but we've yep. talked about the fact there's a bit of a gap when it comes to the bd folks um in terms of the content and the the, the support that they get from marketing um how 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 do how do you see marketing key into this essential process of virtual selling Okay, so this is this is the cool thing is that so having been a marketer and a salesperson mm-hmm. um, my whole career, mm-hmm. um, I am uh, I, I kind of sit on the fence, so I have a very unique perspective on this. But um, the way that I see marketing assisting sales is that now it's required that every sales rep becomes a part time marketer, mm-hmm. sometimes a full time marketer. You have to let the world know who you are, what your personality is. Mm-hmm. how you bring value to the sales process. And mm-hmm. you do that through tools typically used by marketing, you know, video, webinars, yeah. Yeah. Um, content, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Social media. So the the role that I see marketers playing when it comes to business development is that mm-hmm. I, I personally use what I know mm-hmm. to enable sales, sales teams to be mini marketers. Mm-hmm. So I give tools and content and, and methodologies right. for creating really quality content without a lot of work. Right, right, right. So, but so the marketer's role then really is to provide that sort of Lego set that you can pull together 
and, and into one. In, that's uh, that's very so. That so there you go. So that's how marketers can help sales. And and I think when you make friends with sales as a marketer, you've achieved something, right? So that's always good. And Even then finally. <laughs> and I'm conscious of your time, mate. Um, so finally, I'm going to get to our last question, which is uh, a regular feature on Rockstar CMO is the swim pool, our portal to hell for all the snake oil and bullshit of this industry we love. What would you chuck into uh, our Rockstar CMO swim pool? Okay, so um, I, I was talking about how I help uh, mm-hmm. BD, BD people become marketers. Yeah. Um, but the, the thing I hate about marketing <laughs> is that everybody thinks they're a marketer because they have a social feed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the, the trick is, in, if you're going to be really honest about marketing, it's about understanding your customer, understanding mm-hmm. their needs, their pains, their buyer journey, and all the different touch points that contribute to um, them actually wanting to do business with you and yeah. you know refer their friends and all that stuff. So yeah. it goes well beyond the sale. It goes mm-hmm. well beyond the outreach. It goes well beyond the conversations you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have to create uh, relationships with their with the companies that they do work with. Mm-hmm. And the companies have to uh, create an environment that creates that relationship. And it's it goes beyond just one person and a single sales rep. Yeah. So yeah. Um, are I, you I, saying we're all in marketing, but not everybody is a marketer? Is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and for the guy that took every single class in his university on marketing, I think you're qualified to tell us that. So that's fantastic. <laughs> Just to go yep. back to the beginning again. No, that's excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed, as usual, chatting to you, mate. And um, and where can people find you uh, if they spin the dial on the interwebs? Yeah. So if they want to learn more about me, uh, you can always go on my LinkedIn. It's Jeff's one eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Swan at RevUp Sales. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking to, you know, rev up your sales sequences and, and get them optimized, I'm giving away a free half hour sequence optimization session. Nice. Um, just submit your uh, current sales sequence. So the one you use today to sell mm-hmm. at revup90.com slash submissions. Splendid. And I shall include links to all of that stuff in the show notes. And also, um, I haven't been on your website today and you just mentioned some making some changes, but have you still got the Mustang on the front, on the front spinning around? I do not. I actually, um, <laughs> I got rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, used to love, I used to love that. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> as a, as a Mustang fan, I, I, that, that, <laughs> that was very cool. So people can't see that now, but I will include all your links in the show notes and, uh, and I hope people get in touch with you. And thank you very much, Jeff. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Ian. Cheers buddy. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Jeff. A splendid chat to know, especially if you're in business development or need some help with it. And I'll include all his links in the show notes. Time to move on from virtual selling to virtual drinking. It's Friday evening and time for me to make my way to the Rockstar CMO virtual bar, where I hope to find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It's uh, so good to talk with you. Um, you know, so welcome to the bar. Uh, Thank you. And t- tonight, tonight, I think maybe the first. Um, I have a little bit of a surprise for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, you may actually have the ingredients for this. <laughs> good um, lord! I'm calling it. I'm calling <laughs> this drink the plain and boring. Um, and it's yes. basically, um, and you'd let me know if you have this, um, mm-hmm. it's basically your favorite gin, mm-hmm. um, mixed with, uh, a bit of tonic water. Um, <laughs> and you might, you might actually have those ingredients and we're calling it, we're calling it the plain and boring. And the reason we're calling it the plain and boring, by the way, is mm-hmm. because, uh, as you may or may not have heard, we have inaugurated a new president here in the yes. United States. Yes, uh, and everybody here is tremendously excited about how mm-hmm. boring and mm-hmm. uneventful 
things have been in the last uh, week and a half. So we're celebrating, yes. we're celebrating plain and boring <laughs> politics. Uh, by, with by with the plainest and most boring drink I know, which of course is a gin and tonic. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what have we done? Forty odd episodes, and you 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 hit me with the, with the plain and boring. I, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can um, replicate that drink with yeah. my desktop. You, you, you check. You tell me what you've got there in your store. Uh, well, I've got some gin, but I <laughs> I actually ran out of the Hendrix, so um, so I have uh, I have Bombay Sapphire. So you, oh well, sound. well you've you've stepped it up a notch. That's for sure. Do you like? And, I like, and so I can't do the public. We lost our sponsorship from Hendrix, of course, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, despite um, despite Dennis's efforts, I, I didn't quite get to, that. That sponsorship didn't come through. So uh, what can I tell you? Oh, I forgot to put the ice in. Ice, I assume, right? Or is it that plain and boring for you? It is. It is that. It, it might be more <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't put some cayenne pepper or something in there, but I yeah. suppose that's plain and boring. <laughs> Let's put some tonic in there as well. So we got some tonic. Just a splash. Splash. Knowing you, it's probably yeah. more like a martini than a gin and tonic, knowing you. <laughs> Let me taste that. Oh, that's very nice. That's very nice. And it's plain and boring, and I could drink them every week. It, it is both of those things, yes. It is, it is. But refreshingly so, I would say. It is very refreshing. Yeah, refreshingly plain and refreshingly boring. It's, yes, I didn't quite put enough tonic water in that one, but that's it's very nice. I've, and as I mentioned before I hit record, I've just come out of a three-hour Zoom, so it's just about what I need. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. And, um, and where will we be drinking these, Mr. Rose? Well, you know, I think to celebrate everything, we should probably be drinking in our nation's capital. Um, I was just thinking that, and yeah. I know we don't rehearse this. I was just thinking that before I, before I hit record. Yeah, what a place to be right now. Where else to drink mm -hmm. a plain and boring drink, mm -hmm. but in the most plain and boring mm -hmm. city? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, it is, uh, and I kid, of course, because our nation's capital mm -hmm. is quite beautiful um, and, and more so these days. Um, you know, so it is, uh, yeah, I think we've, there's, there's some great restaurants. There is actually yeah. a wonderful, amazing, uh, steak place, um, mm -hmm. called the Capitol Grill, in fact, yep. um, that is in Washington, DC, just across from the white house. Yep. And that's where we are drinking our gin and tonics and, and, uh, and, and hobnobbing with the who's who of Washington, D.C. That's splendid. I've, uh, I've been there. I, I spent, um, I worked in Washington, D.C. For, for a while. I, I lived in Virginia. I've lived in Maryland. So you, you've, you've found a place I've actually been to. So <laughs> nice. I've even been to, the, even been to the bar that you're suggesting we drink these. That's fantastic. Um, and, um, and, ah, the thought this week well, but as we're changing things up and you're drinking plain and boring and you're not um, giving us a libation full of fruit and goodness, um, I thought I would actually, uh, because I think I've had a couple of these gins and I'm, I'm getting quite, you know, worked up about something here, is what do you say about these people that are content deniers? that don't believe that we should be calling this thing content marketing or content management because the con consumers of content don't call it content. They call it a webinar. They call it a data sheet. What do you think of that? Well, you know, here's what I would say to that is, is, mm -hmm. you know, so you're, you're, you're hitting upon two elements here, which is the noun of content um, and then the adjective of content, right? So <laughs> as a describer is of, of a particular kind of strategy or a particular yeah. kind of, of marketing yeah. technique. Um, and so there, uh, I, I, I say what I've always said around the term of something like content marketing, mm -hmm. if you can come up with a better term, please do. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, because it's, it's been certainly, you know, it's not for trying, right? We've had, mm -hmm so many uh, groups and people and agencies try to, uh, you know, really coin other terms for it that they felt were more appropriate. Everything from brand journalism to, uh, you know, uh, brand content, branded content, um, mm -hmm. custom content, 
uh, at, you know, it, in the olden days, we used to call it uh, advertorial. Um, but in the way that we actually describe it, it you know, we've, you know, as, as Joe and I have said for years and years and years, we don't care what it's called as long as you do it correctly. Um, <laughs> I love that. And, and so it, it, it's really just marketing. It's really just great marketing. Now, to your point around it as a noun, what we call this thing that we move around and treat as an asset and, um, and, and work on. Yeah. I think, you know, I think most consumers don't say the word content a lot, right? They do. They certainly do. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, you know, I mean, I've heard my wife say it. I've heard other people say it that aren't, you know, inside baseball like we are. And, you know, they say, oh, that's, you know, they've got great content or, you know, oh, I love Netflix. The content is so good, you know? And, you know, so they do. Nobody, what nobody says is, you know, um, oh, I love Netflix. The television episodes are so amazing, you know, or <laughs> I love Netflix. I love their filmed content, you know? I mean, <laughs> they don't say those things, right? They, you know, so, yes, we do tend as consumers to put it into familiar uh, boxes, right? So we do say, oh, I've just enjoyed a webinar or I've just enjoyed that email or I've just enjoyed that blog post or I've just enjoyed that show or I've just enjoyed that film. Um, and they don't say, oh, I've just enjoyed that content. Totally, right? Yes. That would be weird. However, we as suppliers of such are supplying multiple formats of that. So in the same way that, you know, we on the inside would refer to the computers that we produce as machines or product or, you know, those kinds of things. And consumers don't refer to them that way as the producers and creators of these things in multiple formats. We need an aggregate word that actually explains what it is we're producing and content is the best one. So, I, I, you know, yeah. to me, it feels a bit, you know, disingenuous, I guess, or, or, yeah. or purposely snarky to get all over the word content as a, as a word that we use to describe what it is we do, um, because it's a perfectly fine word. Yeah. And I, I, what I'm surprised by, um, well, I mean, I've, my, my, I've written about this anyway. And, and what I'm surprised by is the level of emotion that gets associated with this on Twitter when I see people get worked up on this. And, um, I, you know, what, why is, why is it? I don't, I don't understand the point, to be honest. And then my, my background, um, uh, as my, my earliest commercial roles were, were with a, with a supply chain company. And when you're talking about how to optimize a supply chain, you're talking about SKUs. You're not talking about clothes or dresses or shoes or pots of paint. You refer to them as SKUs because that's, you know, that, that generic term allows you to, to talk about how you're optimizing your supply chain. But nobody, nobody buys an SKU. Nobody, nobody says, Oh, I, I love my SKU. Um, and and it's the same thing, right? So uh, I, I don't I don't understand it. I just thought I'd ask you about it. Uh, you know, a couple of gins in. <laughs> I'm not sure what the yeah. I, I'm with you, and I'm not sure. I mean, other than to be purposely provocative, yeah. Um, you know, which is what I find most cases is. You know, it's yeah. it's a it's a you know it's it's some sort of provocation to say what we do is actually special or more to the point, what I do is actually very special. And for you to commoditize it with a word such as content degrades what I do. That's a good point. I didn't thought of and, that. And, yeah. and I think that's, to me, that's, you know, that's a little, it's a little, you know, martyred, right. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, woe is you poor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it it's, 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 I look at that and go, you know, I don't feel for you. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I feel like in many ways I'm sort of putting on, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if I've ever told you this story before, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, when I was in show business and I played music and, and one of the things that we would often do is, uh, we would go to Vegas and do these big mm-hmm. shows in Vegas mm-hmm. and it was really fun and it was really exciting. And, you know, I mean, cause you're yeah. on the big stage and big lights and all the union guys running around and everything. And it's, and it's really yeah. exciting. And yeah. we were there one night 
And at the end of the evening, I walked backstage and I was taking all my equipment down and there was a guy sitting backstage and he was in a giant rabbit costume. And he was in, Only a, in Vegas. Yeah. He's in a giant rabbit costume and the head, the giant head of the rabbit is sitting next to him on the bench. He's sitting there drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette. And he's all disheveled, you know, because he's all sweaty from being inside the yeah. rabbit hat for however long he had to be in it, you know, and, and yeah. doing this. And I sat down next to him and I went, you all right? And he looked at me and in this like only he's been doing this for, you know, 50 years or something like that. You know, yeah. and he looked at me and he says, welcome to showbiz, kid. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that because that's exactly it. And in many ways, when I see something, you know, when I see a young person do something like that, where they yeah. say, you know, oh, content is so degrading to what it is I do. I, you know, I feel like I've got my little rabbit hat next to me going, welcome to showbiz, kids. You know? <laughs> I love it. I had that. I, I have had a, actually had an experience of uh, being in one of those suits. And uh, for a kid's uh, thing that we did a billion years ago, very early in my career, I, I wasn't in show business. I was, <laughs> I was in a pantomime. And um, I and I wanted a beer, and I took my head off, and hadn't realised there were kids behind me. <laughs> and, right. And there was much crying, <laughs> so, and I didn't. I, but I wish I'd come out with that line <laughs> at that time. Can you imagine? Turning around <laughs> right. <and believe>? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect. I love it. I love it. Um, and um, yeah, I, I've, uh, yes, I've forgotten the point. So, so this, <laughs> so yeah, so the the idea that people don't, and the other thing I, I, I think about it as well is, is, I mean, we have enough actual bullshit terms around marketing, right? Oh, Why sure, yeah. Pick on one of those. Plenty to choose from. Yeah, there's 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 plenty of other sort of, <laughs> you know, either hyperbolic or or, yeah. or overused or cliched terms that we can use yeah. that yeah. that. Um, you know that 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 have plenty of room to run in the consternation category, rather than something as innocuous as content. Uh, absolutely. Well, that was a joy. Thank you, uh, yes. Robert. Uh, my first attempt at introducing a topic into our conversations, um, <laughs> simply because I'd had too much gin, I presume. Nice. Um, and uh, well, I mean, I've written about it. Have you ever written about this, Robert? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever written on the, you know, I mean, I have certainly written on the, is content marketing the right word? And, right. and that was years ago. Yeah. Um, and I wrote about this. And, and, and in many ways, what I have written about on this topic is distinguishing it from other practices. Um, you know, I wrote a piece, gosh, I want to say five or six or seven years ago, Mm-hmm. when HubSpot decided they were going to um, sort of subsume the word content marketing into inbound marketing. And mm-hmm. I wrote a piece, you know, very, you know, I mean, <laughs> half tongue in cheek, but half, you know, sort of outraged, yeah. right? You know, yeah. that, you know, that they would do such a thing and, and basically yeah. just said, look, they're different, right? They're, they're, yeah. they're different ideas yeah. um, or certainly were. Um, and, you know, and, and basically, as I said in the piece, you know, it's like, sure, define inbound marketing however you want. It's your term. Go, go for it, right? If you want to yeah. broaden it out and, you know, do all the things you want to do, go for yeah. it. But don't redefine a term that you didn't think of because yeah. it doesn't fit your worldview, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And, and where, would, where would people find uh, such scribings? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the little cave that I occupy um, <laughs> on the internet is, uh, is contentadvisory.net and, of course, across all the social channels as well. <laughs> well, uh, you, you, um, yeah, you, you um, prevented me from making my normal spin the dial on the interwebs reference. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, that's, uh, and I'll, I'll, of course, include all the links to your stuff in the show notes. Thank you very much, Robert. Uh, will I see you again next week? Of course you will. What else is new? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Maybe I'll stick to letting Robert come up with the topic ideas, or I should just read less Twitter. Anyway, what do you think about the folks that complain about marketers using the term content? I'd love to know if you feel the same way. 
So that's a wrap on episode 47 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Jeff Clark, Jeff Swan and Robert. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did and you liked my guests, please check out the show notes. Click their links, follow them, take a look at their work and share it. I really appreciate their time. And you can find the show notes on your favourite podcasting platform or at our brand new website for this podcast, rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. And you can leave a review, subscribe, share, you can get in touch or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. So, does the world need another effing arting podcast? Well, I've had some splendid feedback on LinkedIn and Twitter this week. Special thanks to Dennis, Irene and Keith for your conversation. Please drop by our socials to check out those lovely people and let me know what you think. Next week, Jeff and I will continue our discussion about personalisation. I've got Pete Morgan, VP of Demand for the agency Metia in the calendar to chat about their annual B2B marketing survey and a special Super Bowl conversation with Robert in our virtual Rockstar CMO bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and I hope you'll join us again next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? 
Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.